AWRI Decanted, a podcast from the Australian Wine Research Institute, where wine scientists reveal their latest discoveries and how they're being used by grape growers and winemakers. Curiosity, that thirst for understanding for how the world works. If it was part of a job description, then research scientist Dr Mango Parker would probably bag the job in the first five minutes of an interview. Her work with grape-derived glycosides and their role in flavour release during wine consumption and production has won her recognition both here and overseas and is also helping producers deal with smoke taint. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and to find out more, Dr Parker joins me in the studio. Mango, thanks for your time. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Mango, I've read a fabulous quote of yours, and it says, I really try and encourage people to be as alive as possible in their senses. It's a skill that you can get better at, and it just brings so much pleasure to life. Does this apply as much to your professional life as it does to your personal life? Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of scientists start off with that characteristic in their person and that's something that drives their career. Just curiosity about things, um, trying to understand how things work. And the great thing about flavour chemistry is that you can be thinking about a puzzle, trying to understand how things work, and then at the end of the day, it all comes down to what you can smell, taste, see, So that makes it very real for people and that's something that I really enjoy about the work. That sounds like a wonderful broad curiosity about life. Is that what led you down the path to study science in the first place? Yeah, look, I was just interested in how things work and understanding that, being able to predict the future once you understand the basic laws of the world. So I did a Bachelor of Science majoring in chemistry at Flinders Uni and didn't really know much about wine, apart from probably a paragraph in a textbook in about fermentation in first-year biology. But um, after I finished my degree, I was offered a graduate position with a big wine company then called Southcourt Wines, now it's Treasury Wine Estates. So that was my introduction to the world of wine, and I haven't looked back since. In a recent article, you declared that winemakers are throwing away half of the flavour in their grapes. What do you mean by that? All right, yeah. So flavour in wine can actually come from various sources. You've got oak, yeast, lees, for example, but most importantly is the grapes. The flavour from the grapes mostly comes in the form of precursors, that is, forms that can produce flavour when they're modified during the winemaking. And glycosides are an important class of flavour precursors. They consist of an aroma or smell compound which is attached to a sugar. And it turns out that there are lots of glycosides in grape skins, particularly aromatic varieties like muskets and gewürztraminer. And during white winemaking, actually, skins are generally discarded before the fermentation they still contain a lot of glycosides. Therefore, they represent quite a lot of potential flavour that people are just throwing away. It sounds as though having more glycosides in a wine would mean that it has more flavour. Is, is that true? And are there ways that winemakers can boost the amount of glycosides in their wine? Yeah, you can get more flavour out with more skin contact, particularly for white varieties. 
The problem for winemakers is that there are also phenolics in the skins. So that means there's a trade-off between flavour and bitterness from the phenolics. We published a nice trial with winemaking where we extracted glycosides from Gewürztraminer grape mark. That's the skins and seeds and stuff that usually just get thrown out with winemaking. And we removed the phenolics actually and added the glycosides back into the wine to boost the flavour. Now, what that does is that actually increases the flavour potential of that wine. So as the wine ages, more aroma, more smell is released from the glycosides over time. And actually the glycosides can give you a bit of flavour in your mouth as well. Mango, your PhD investigated why some people perceive flavours from glycosides and why some don't. What did you actually find out? First, I showed how the glycosides give flavour. So glycosides themselves don't have any smell. That's because the sugar makes the molecule too heavy to be um, airborne. So you can't actually detect it through your sense of smell. During the winemaking, the sugar can be removed, which releases the odorant. So that's the smell that you can actually detect that's in the air. My PhD showed that this can also happen in the mouth while tasting wine. Enzymes in the saliva can also release the flavour. Strictly speaking, the flavour is actually perceived by the sense of smell through the passage from the back of the mouth to the top of the nasal cavity, and we call that retronasal olfaction. So in the PhD study, we gave glycosides as colourless, odourless liquids to a bunch of people, and some people got flavour, which developed in their mouth. It can actually last for a minute or more. We used a fruity glycoside and a smoky glycoside, and some people got both. Some people didn't get any flavour, and some people got one and not the other. Now, we thought it might be because of the different enzymes, which, by the way, come from the oral bacteria. But in the end, the flavour mainly depended on the ability to smell the odorant. Does that tie back then to what you're talking about, being aware of your senses and what's around you? Are you developing some sort of sensory bank and having a point of reference in this process? Yeah, and it's really important for winemakers and anybody else who's interested in a sense of smell, which should be everybody, I think, to be aware of that because there's a lot of differences between people. And when you sit down and, and you're tasting the same things, you've got to understand that they've got different set of hardware, different set of memories that they're bringing. Everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. And that's really why we recommend that people sit down and do these kinds of tastings in a panel. You learn so much about yourself and you learn more about the product at the end of the day. Mango, we've focused so far on positive fruity glycosides, but I understand glycosides also play a role when grapes are affected by smoke. How does that work? Yeah, the glycoside story is pretty important to smoke taint. So back in 2009, colleagues from the AWRI and Adelaide Uni discovered that the grape berries could actually take up the volatile phenols from the smoke. So that's the chemicals floating around in the air that give the smell of the smoke. And what happens is the berries can actually metabolise them and make glycosides. So we've heard about glycosides before. Some of the grapes from the 2009 Victorian fires had a lot of those smoky glycosides in them, even if they didn't have any of the volatile phenols because they'd all been metabolised into, into glycosides. 
This explained why winemakers couldn't smell any smoke to start off with, but then after a while the smoky aroma became worse and worse in the wines. The smoky glycosides also help explain that ashy aftertaste of those wines. We were talking before about how different people have different responses to the glycosides. So this is an example where you really need to do tastings of smoky wines using a panel so that you can capture the variation between people because some people can be highly sensitive. That might give you a negative idea of how badly a smoke affected the wine is and other people are not very sensitive at all. So they might be missing something and it's important to have a whole group of people sitting down to discuss so that you can really fully understand what's going on with smoke taint. Was this something you managed to perfect even further around the time of the Cuddly Creek fires? I understand now that you can start to detect these smoke markers about four weeks after a fire event. That's got to be a significant insight for a grape grower, wouldn't it be? Yeah, the glycosides are really important in the analysis of grapes that have been exposed to smoke. What was really interesting about the Cuddly Creek fire was that it was really early in the grape development in the Adelaide Hills So it was well before Veraison, before the grapes even started to colour up at all. And previously we thought that if smoke came at that time so early in the season, when the grapes have no sugar really even, that the grapes wouldn't be able to take up the smoke and metabolise them and you wouldn't get smoke-tainted wines in the end. Unfortunately, a lesson we learned the hard way from Cuddly Creek was you can actually get smoke uptake, you get metabolism, so you get the glycosides forming, and you can get seriously smoky wines from an early season event, even before Verizon. Mango, how do you hope that winemakers will benefit from your research on glycosides, and where do you see this going to in the future? Well, right now, smoke is such a big issue. I think it's really important that winemakers understand glycosides in the context of smoke. It's really important to measure them, to understand that they're there. They're excellent indicators of smoke exposure and they play a really important role in the ongoing development of the smoky characters in the wine, particularly that ashy aftertaste. So that's the main thing at the moment, really understanding how important the glycosides are in that whole smoke story. Once we get over this period of coping with the 2019-20 smoke season, it would be nice to shift gear back into nice wine flavours again. And I think there are lots of opportunities there to make some better products, increase flavour, particularly in the, the lower alcohol and no alcohol space. Mango, the work you've done on glycosides seems to involve so many facets. Indeed, I understand that was acknowledged recently with an international award. Oh, that was such a great honour. And I think it really does reflect how complex this research is. And I feel very privileged to have been able to do this research at the AWRI. Part of that award recognised the complexity of the research. And it's quite rare, actually, for research to encompass aroma chemistry, which is volatiles, non-volatiles, in this case it's the glycosidic precursors, and sensory, and also we looked into the aspects of the saliva enzymes and the oral microbiota. 
So to be able to bring all those things together was really a privilege and it was a great honour to be awarded that Manfred Rote Gold Award for Flavour Chemistry. Mango, those listening to this, where can they go to find out more information? There's a lot of really good talks on the Wine Australia website that were recorded at the recent National Bushfire Conference. Apart from that, the AWRI website's also an excellent place to go to. There's a lot of papers that you can request, webinars, articles. The AWRI website and Wine Australia website are probably the best places to go to. Dr Mango Parker, amazing groundbreaking research and really, really beneficial to winemakers. Thank you for taking the time and joining me in the AWRI studio today. Thanks very much, Drew. It's been a pleasure. The AWRI Decanted podcast is supported by Australia's grape growers and winemakers through their investment agency, Wine Australia, with matching funds from the Australian Government.